Praise God. Well, uh, we're going to start what I believe will be a, a series tonight. New series. Uh, can you go ahead and turn over to Hebrews 10.23? Hebrews 10.23. And then we're going to also look at Revelation 12, 11, or 12, 10, and 11. Hebrews 10, 23, and then Revelation 12, 10. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Confession is what you say. Hope means expectation. In the Bible, when you see hope, it'll help you if you just replace it with expectation. It doesn't mean wish. Like we, if we say hope in our you know, common language, we mean, when we say I hope so, most people, they mean, I wish that would happen. I really want it to happen. But they don't mean they expect it to happen. In the Bible, though, this word hope means expectation. So, when they're talking about, when it says hope right now, you're talking about expe expectation, something you firmly believe. And that brings with it faith. You believe. If you expect something, that means you believe it's going to happen. So hope and faith in the Bible are connected. Faith, you believe something, so you hope or expect something. If I believe if I really believe, and people can have misplaced beliefs, but if I really believe a certain sports team is going to win, I, or I believe in their ability, I would expect a victory. If I don't, if I'm going, well, I hope, I don't, that's, not, that's not the same. I don't, I'm thinking it may happen, it may not. But, and how many of you know it doesn't matter what you think or what you believe about a natural ability like that, it can fail. But we're talking about God, and so... When we see what his word says about something, if we hook our faith up with it, then we will be expecting something to happen. You cannot say you're in faith and not be expecting what God says. If we say, if you said, um, you know, I expect it to rain, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out, uh, you know, on a, a two-hour walk, I expect it to rain. But I'm not going to bring an umbrella, and I'm not going to prepare for it all, then I really don't think it's going to rain. If I believed it would happen, then I'm going to expect something, which means I'm going to prepare for something. Anyway, we'll move on. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let's look at that, and that, uh, they'll put it up on the screen, Amplified Classic. 
says, so let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess, the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. You know, in context, he's talking about believing on Jesus, believing on the hope we have to come and the fact that we will uh, live with him, that we are saved. He says, let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. In the New Living Translation, it says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. In the NIV, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Do you have the God's Word? I don't know if we have that or if we're able to... The God's Word translation says we must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith. The one who made the promise is faithful. I'll read that to you again. We must continue to hold firmly to our declaration of faith. The one who made the promise is faithful. Let's go ahead and look at Revelations 12, 10, and then we'll get into some of this, but I just want to read you some of these things. Notice what it's saying, so the, the, what we've, we've been reading so far in, in Hebrews 10, 23. It's talking about confessing. It's talking about holding firmly to. It's talking about hold unswervingly, hold tightly, seize and hold fast to what? Our confession, to our declaration of faith, to the hope we profess. Revelation 12, 10 it says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Verse 11 says, They overcame Him. Whom? Satan. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. In the, in the Amplified Classic, it says, They have overcome, conquered Him by means of the blood of the Lamb and by the utterance or speech of their testimony. 12.10 in the message says, Salvation and power are established. Kingdom of our God, authority of His Messiah, the accuser of our, brother, of our brothers and sisters thrown out, who accused them day and night before God. They defeated Him through the blood of the Lamb and the bold word of their witness. What I want to talk to you about is right words. Right words. We speak words all the time, and we communicate with words. But words aren't just limited to how you communicate with one another person. We speak words to ourselves all the time. We speak words, we could say something out loud, and nobody heard us, but we're speaking something. We can, you know, you, can, you have a voice in your head. I'm not talking about other voices. But you have, 
you have the voice of your, your, yourself and coming through your mind, something happens, there's a voice saying, commentating. You know, it's like color commentary on what's going on in the world. And that's a form of confession. And we need to, to make sure that the, the words that we're saying, the confessions, if you will, the, the speech that in any of these forms, what you write, I mean, you said, well, I'm not saying it out of my mouth, but you wrote a scorching email. Well, actually, the written one can come back to bite you worse. Somebody can just say you said something, but if, if they just said you said it and you're saying you didn't, not, you know, if some one person says they didn't, it's one word against the other. But if you send a document and it's got your timestamp and it came from your address, that's a different thing. So that's a form. Those are words. Texts. You didn't let it rip. You didn't say what you, you know, say the wrong thing out loud, but you texted it. Well, those words were going through your head before you texted it. And it's a form. It's a, it's, they're words. It's a confession. And it will have an effect on the atmosphere and on your mind and on yourself when you do that. But we are talking about, what I want to talk to you about is right words. I want to get into that because our words are so important in all these areas. We need to make sure, and not legalistically, because I'm well aware, uh, I mean, this is a truth of God's word, but I'm well aware, and, and you may be too, if you've been around, especially if you live through, I mean, the 80s and it's happened in the 70s and 80s and in the 90s. I mean, like we've said so many times, uh, people will go to extremes on any given truth. And any given, any truth taken to extreme becomes error. But, you know, you have people that are just, just go have in the past gone nuts. I'm not throwing any stones. I'm just, just saying, you know, setting the context with confession, with what you say, and got, gotten legalistic about it to where it's, you know, there's a truth there, but um, don't let it thwart your whole existence because people get into fear, they get into bondage, they get to where, you know, they're policing other people. Nobody likes to be policed. Nobody likes to be told that you didn't say that right. Do you guys like, anybody say, no, I really like that. I, if somebody just, you know, I'm in the middle of a sentence and they correct me, I love it. <laughs> Nobody likes that. But, you know, that, 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 that's gone on. And uh, that's, people are people. But just because there's been that, just like there is in any area. There is a very solid truth in the Word of God that our words matter. They matter. What we say is so important. Let's go back and look at Hebrews. We'll turn to some other scripture, but I want to go back. You know, we kind of read through. Now you know what we're, um, where we're going. Let's look at a few of these. Hebrews 10.23, let's just look at it in the New King James first. Before we go there, let's look at this very familiar 
passage of Scripture, though, but let's look at Mark eleven twenty two. Go ahead and put it up. Let's read this passage because it's so important. When we're reading these other verses, let's... There is... Um, it's such an important truth. We need to understand why our words matter. Here it says... Uh, so Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. He's talking to his disciples. And if you know this story, uh, they were walking together and Jesus had cursed a fig tree that hadn't bared fruit. And then they were coming back past the fig tree and the, the, the fig tree that he had cursed was withered up. So then he uses it to, to teach them. And he says, it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. But verse 23, the second part says, Be removed and be cast in the sea. If you say to the mountain, Be removed, be cast in the sea, and, and he does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he, what? He says. So it's important what we say. It's important what we write. You know, it, it is verbal, but these different things, words, what we say out of our mouth is so important. We give a command, but you know when you give a command with your, your written word. You give a command uh, in your mind. When we are letting things go over and over in our head, you may be saying one thing out of your mouth, but if, it's, if your self-talk is different, you're commanding yourself, whether you realize it or not, now, uh, realize it or not you're going to have what you... Your thinking is going to mess up your saying anyway. It will come out. But Hebrews 10, 23. <clears throat> Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast to the, the confession of our hope without wavering. So let us hold fast to what we're saying. That is what we actually believe. Hold fast to the thing that is right. Hold fast to the thing that is of faith. Hold fast to what God said. Don't waver. Don't allow it. Don't allow circumstances to push you off. For he who promised is faithful. Hold fast. What does that give the impression? If you have to hold fast to something, then, then something's trying to push you off. Right? I mean, you could use it in other terms, but... Hold fast gives the impression there's a reason why you have to hold fast. If you're in the middle of a storm and you're holding fast, you know, to the boat or whatever, that, that is because something is trying to rock you and get you to let go. You don't say hold fast. You know, like, if you're sitting on a beach in a chair laid back, and the sun's out, and you got an umbrella over you, you know, and just chilling. For somebody to say, hold fast to your chair, just doesn't really mean anything. I mean, it's like, it, it's, it's totally out of context. What? You're going to fall asleep and roll out of it? Or, I mean, why are you like this on your chair? It doesn't, that's not, there's nothing that's going to push you out of the chair. 
But when you say and hold fast, that means there's something that's trying to push you off. And that's the reality. In this life, every day you get up, all you have to do is just roll out of bed, and there's an enemy that's trying to get you to say something that contradicts what God has said. Every one of us, I don't care who you are, getting ahead of myself, but we'll, uh, we'll cover this. There's a reason why he wants you to say, speak wrong words. Speak words that are against what God has for us. It's because it gives him access to do what he would want to do. That's where the pressure comes from. Because words are very, very, very important in this realm. They dictate what does happen and doesn't happen to us. And so when you start saying the wrong words in the face of pressure, when we, if, if I'm not preaching at you, if we start any of us speak the wrong words and we all get pressure to do it, what is going on is that the enemy is going to push you through circumstances, through thoughts, through feelings, through people, through what you see, images, to try to, he's trying to get you to say words that are against what God has promised so that he can act on them. Because when we state something, we are establishing truth in our life. I mean, we are establishing what will be in our life. And we're either going to say words that are based on ultimate truth, or we're going to say words that are actually based on appearances, on lies, on feelings. And that's where, that, th this is one of the greatest battlefields we're going to face. This is the fight of faith. To stay with what God has said, and to say what, with what God has said. And the pressure is real. This is not in your head. It may be coming through your head, but it is not made up. There is a spiritual realm. And Satan, the Bible says in many places, but 2 Corinthians 4, 4, calls him the God of this world. He's not, he doesn't own everything, but he is ruling. God owns everything. Satan sold out to, to I mean, God, Adam sold out to Satan. Satan's got a lease and is temporarily the God of this world, and he's gotten in a mess. But he does have, he, he can push on circumstances, and he can push on people. You ever want, I mean, if people will yield to him, they'll say things to you. And you're like, I mean, where'd that come from? You know, you Somebody, you're going, they, they, they can say the exact thing that's trying to push on the thing that you're pushing back on. You've been having this war, and you go out and meet somebody, and they're pushing on the same thing. Why? Because they're listening to the same voice. It's not a coincidence. And this, everybody will face this. Satan is not as bad as he'd like everybody to believe. He is. He is a liar and a deceiver. And so he will push on you through feelings, through circumstances, through what you see, you feel, you hear. And he'll, he'll take that 
and he'll paint a picture for you of what it, what it, what it looks like. You'll, you'll see something, you'll feel something, and he'll say, this is what it means behind the scenes. But remember, he's a liar. He knows full well it doesn't look like that, but he's going to tell you it does. This person said that because they hate you and they think you're an idiot. And really, they were not even, their mind wasn't, you know, every, somebody comes into the office and they look like they're ticked at the world. If you're not careful, you start talking to them and you think they're mad at you. They're not mad at you. They're dealing with something that has nothing to do with you. They're not thinking about you. Well, they didn't say hi to me. That's because they weren't even, they didn't care about you. They're thinking about something that happened over the weekend. The enemy will say, see, I told you they didn't like you. Why didn't they say hi to you? Yeah, they're probably talking to everybody about you. He's a liar. Then he tries to get you to act based on that. Try to put pressure on you based on lies, based on your feeling, based on your senses, to act. And part of that acting is to say, well, I bet you, you know, talk to your spouse. I don't think they really like me. I, you know, it wasn't, I, I don't know what's going on, but I, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't think this is right. What it, start to say stuff and then get you to act on that, on something that is not even real. It's not even true. But you start acting like it's true, all of a sudden it creates other problems and stuff starts happening, and now you're dealing with the problem that wasn't even there to begin with, but now you have a problem. Who led you into that problem? Satan. He was trying to put pressure on you to get you into a place. And part of the way he does this is by getting you to say he can't make you do anything. Satan is, is a, a, a defeated foe, but he, puts, he tries to bring pressure on us and, and tries to get us to say things that will go his direction. Because you know, as well as I do, if you start saying things in the wrong direction, it's real easy to keep going that way. Right? It's easy to start talking and saying things that you know you shouldn't say, but I'm going to say it anyway. And pretty soon, you're saying more than you know you shouldn't say, but now you're just saying this. And you got, spouses have to be careful. Again, not a good time to correct your spouse. If they start saying stuff, I mean, you got you to... This is a touchy dynamic. Because if somebody is... You have to have a mutual understanding that you're going to say, hey, we don't say that. They better be in on that, and they better agree with you, because that cannot end well. That can go off in the corner, and now you're just you're arguing about it for an hour. That, that, that might not be the best way to handle it. But we have to watch about talking about an issue or, or a, a, a perceived problem, because we can end up, not, not that we shouldn't talk about things, but we got to end, when we start venting about stuff and the pressure comes to everybody, you can end up just yielding to the enemy to where you're saying these words, you're saying these words, you're saying these words, and the pressure just builds. He's painting a picture through your words of what's going to happen, of what he wants you to believe is going to happen. And so we need to understand that there is a very real battle, and Satan wants your words. He wants you to say what he wants you to say. He will push. God has given us his word. He's given us his spirit. 
But we need to act on what he said, and part of that is speaking out and declaring what he has said so that he can make his word come to pass in our life. We give him access. We give him the ability to act. Let's go ahead and read a few of these um, translations. So again, in the Amplified, so we just read to hold fast the confession of our hope. What? Without wavering. Because God is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Look at it in the Amplified Classic again. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. Now you can, again, in context, this is talking about just our hope, we expectation we have through Christ. And it applies, you can apply this to any area, anything God has promised in His Word. We need to do exactly what this says. Let us seize and hold fast and retain, without wavering, the hope or the expectation we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. We need to hold on to acknowledging what God said about the situation. We need to say right words about what God the right words that God has said over our situation. We need to stay in there and push back against the pressure, against the, the circumstance, against the, the, what it looks like. And we need to do what this next part says, for he, or acknowledge, for he who promised is reliable and sure and faithful to his word. In other words, what he said like what we were talking about in the offering, God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he will reap. And it doesn't matter what it looks like, it will happen. And so when the pressure comes to bear, we need to, to bear up and realize it comes to every person. There is nobody exempt. If you're going to walk in this realm, pressure will come to take sides against the Word of God. It will come that you want to say exactly opposite of what the Word says. The Word says you're healthy. The Word says your relationships, that you can have good, godly relationships. The Word says that you can prosper, both materially and, and just in life in general, that you can have favor. But... In all those things, circumstances can contradict. And the temptation is, say what the circumstances appear. Say what it seems like the person feels. Say what it looks like your body is doing, and just speak that out. Because that's what people do in general all over the world. They don't. They talk about what it looks like. We have shows, television uh, media that just talk about the way it is. Just that that's, that's what they're doing daily is just, just recapping what is. But if we are going to walk with God, we're going to need, we need to agree with what He has said. In the faith, it's not just when it's sunny day situation. Like, okay, right now, we're all sitting here in church. we got people that believe around us, and it seems okay. Or in your life, there's just no storms. There's nothing going on, because it doesn't mean there's a storm all the time. But it's easy to say the right thing when there's no pressure. It's hardest to say the right thing. Anybody tells you it's not, it's easy. It's just not true. You could do it. I mean... It's not easy to do, but it's an easy concept. 
And we need to understand, the, the most pressure you're going to have is when you need to say it the most, is the pressure, the pressure is going to come to bear to say the opposite. To just, and, it, and to say what you feel, to say what it looks like, and just, well, I know what God's word says, but that's the problem right there. But that's, the pressure comes, pushes. John 16, was it, 33, talks about tribulation coming. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. That tribulation word means literally squeezing, pressure, like this. And it's trying to bend you. It's trying to get you to yield. That's, you know what the word yield means? It means to give in. You know, somebody's got your arm pinned against your back and trying to get you to cry, uncle, that's yield. Yield. Say you give. Say you give. That's what the enemy does. He's trying to pull you and say, give, give, give. Say, say it, say it, say it. Say what, say what you feel. Say, say it's not going to work. Say there's no way. Say we're going down. Say I don't know where God is. That, that's what the pressure is trying to get you to say. Why? Because we are stating what is going to come into pass in our life. And we are giving authority. We are actually yielding to the enemy to come in and do what he would want to do rather than what God would have us to do. And this is why the battle is so tense sometimes to get us to speak. Because it's like if you declare, I don't care who you are, if you go get your pen and declare in written form certain things, you are going to be legally accountable and liable for those things. If you did it in a fit of rage, it wouldn't matter. You're declaring something. You're saying something. You could renounce something. You could, you know, se separate yourself from something. And it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. We don't need to be legalistic about it. We need to understand it's real. And if we say something, we need to just say, no, I retract that. I'm saying the word. If we stumble and we say the wrong thing, you don't need to go three weeks and go, oh man, I said the wrong thing, I said the wrong thing, now, devil, now Satan's got... No, just stand up and say, that was wrong, I retract that, this is what I meant, and start speaking the word. I break the power of that nonsense, that was stupid, I shouldn't have said that, God forgive me for doing that, and get up and go on and say the right thing, and just move forward. But notice the language here. Let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering. Well, why would it say without wavering? Because you're tempted to waver. Tempted. Tempted to waver. But being tempted is not the same as wavering. Look at, uh, just put it up on the screen real quick. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. First Corinthians ten thirteen. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except as such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So in other words, everybody's tempted. Everybody gets tempted. Everybody gets tempted in these areas. It comes to everybody. Everybody. 
But being tempted is not the same as yielding. And this is where people get confused. And the, the enemy knows this. He's a liar, he's a deceiver, and he is mean. Just because you have a thought about something, just because it goes through your head ten times, if you don't yield to it, you haven't sinned and you haven't given him any ground. He'll put, something will flash across your mind or, you know, and you, you try to get, you know, you're thinking about that. No, I'm not thinking about that. A thought came across my mind and I knocked it out. And being tempted is not the same as yielding. It says, these things are common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. So what does that mean? It says, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So if you are tempted, there is a way to overcome in every situation. God, if, it's, if it's in front of you and you're being tempted, you can overcome, period. Always. All the time. Let's look back at Hebrews. I just wanted to state that. It says, so let us, uh, in the Amplified, so let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess in our acknowledgement of it, for he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. Hold on to it without wavering, without getting knocked around. You may be pushed, but not to let it go and then come back to it. Because he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. He, he will do what he said he will do. What he said will happen. Well, he doesn't look like it. That has nothing to do with it. What it looks like can change. You know, we were in, you know, we, we just got back from vacation last week, and over and over. It was, you know, we went there, and, you know, we're looking at the weather. It's like sunny for a few days, but, you know, I can't remember. It was like Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, thunderstorms. Looks like thunderstorms, and, you know, and then you get to where you can see the hourly forecast, and it's percentage all day of thunderstorms. And, well, it looks like pretty much if it's got that all day, for two days, it's probably going to get. We're probably going to get some thunderstorms. And so, you know, we're we're kind of planning accordingly, and we're doing stuff on Monday. I think it was, and then we get done Monday, and we're going in expecting. You know, it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's going to start raining, probably around then. Wake up. It's all shifted to the first thing I look in the morning. Like so, it doesn't start till like two o'clock, and it says now those thunderstorms are like thirty percent starting at two o'clock. But in the morning, eh, it's all sunny now, and it's. And then we get to 2 o'clock, and guess what? Now it says just 6 and 7 o'clock, it's 30%, 40%, and it's not doing anything. So we went the whole day, and it never rained, and it was like a beautiful day the whole time. It was not at all what was said. So that was subject to change. And then, one of the days, so after that, the rest of the week, it was supposed to be sunny, sunny. Not even a little cloud on there, just sun, 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 sun. So we're like, we're in the clear. And we were at Walmart. We were going, we had already been going to Walmart, and we didn't bring an umbrella. And we had to get into Walmart because we had to pick one thing up, and we had just got done eating, eating, and then I, we're looking and going, it's not supposed to, I mean, it's cloudy, but the, the forecast wasn't supposed to do anything. 
but it's looking pretty bad, but we're looking on it going, it's not supposed to do anything. And so we're looking, go, we just got done eating, and we're, there's Walmart. And I'm like, ah, let's, let's chance it. Let's see if we could get out, because it wasn't supposed to rain anyway. And I parked. I didn't think about it until I got out of the car, because I wasn't thinking about the rain. I parked, like, really far away, because it was traffic up here. And then we got in, and it wasn't that long we got in, and we're just hearing on the roof. I mean, it is. You can hear it through the roof, and it's just storming. It's not just raining. And we look out, and the rain's sideways. And it's, like, muddy looking. You know, it's already muddy in the in the, the, on the uh, parking lot and stuff. It's like dark rain. And there's just people just staring. They're waiting, not going to their cars because it's raining so hard. And I'm looking and it's not. And I'm, now I'm looking at the forecast and it says, and we look at the radar and we're like in the red. And there's yellow and green and we're like in the, and I'm like, this is not gonna let up. So we're sitting here and this, we actually still had our, uh, that must have been Wednesday it was at. We still had some decent clothes on. So I'm like, what are we going to do? All right. I have multiple umbrellas at home. So I have a choice. I can run out like some person did, and I saw they put a Walmart bag like on their head and was walking out like this. I could do that. Or I can buy a $10 umbrella and add it to my collection. And so that's what I did. And about that time, it started to lighten up. But I went to the place where I got my car, and I came back, and then I escorted everybody to the car. My point is, by the time we were done with this vacation, we looked at, we didn't even, we looked at the, the forecast, and we were like, yeah, whatever. We'll see what it does. It made no difference, because what? It could change. And the enemy will try to push on you, and he'll try to push on you and push you and say, this is not going to change. See, this is what's going to happen, and push on you, knowing full well this thing is about to change right behind you. And he will act like, no, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. It's not going to change. And get you to say it's not going to change. But he's a liar. He's a thief. He's a deceiver. And so we need to do what it says right here. We need to hold on to it. Seize, hold fast, retain without wavering. Ultimately, why? Because God's faithful. And what he said, it will happen. So right, right in the middle of it, we're saying, nope, what God's word says, what God's word says, what, oh, it looks horrible. And this is just like a period of time. Looks, looks horrible. We're going to keep saying it. We're going to come through the other side. And eventually here, we are going to see the faithfulness of God. Every single time. Amen.